T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody to a Tuesday edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing. Glad to be with you on this Tuesday, the Tuesday of the biggest college basketball game of the year so far. We'll look ahead to KU and Duke a little bit later in the program. We'll also talk Kansas City Chiefs at the top of the next hour with the executive producer of the Chiefs radio network, Dan Israel, looking forward to that as we always do in what was a pretty good Chiefs win there. And what does the future hold? We got Sunday night football with the Chargers coming right around the corner in the NFL as well. That's top of the second hour. KU Duke talk also coming in the second hour. We'll spend some time in this first hour in the NFL. Not a lot of time to react to what we saw over the weekend on a Monday because we have so many teams to navigate through uh, to get through KU's game and K-State's game and a Chiefs game and all the things that we uh, pile in there to a Monday. So let's spend some time with it today, shall we? Most recently in the NFL, right, we had... Well, the Philadelphia Eagles, the lone unbeaten team, right, going in and losing a game to Washington, just like everybody thought would happen. We got it last night, Tommy. No surprises, right? Philadelphia loses a game at home by double digits. I think we're uh, we're muted there, Tommy. Um it, it, it was a wild and crazy um, game. Jad, did you get Tom, Tommy's audio there? No, I did not. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll let Tommy figure that out on his end. So a wild and crazy game last night. It puts the Eagles down. Um, I, I, this is what we've thought with the Eagles, right? And it's probably not fair to the Eagles, who have been the last remaining unbeaten team, We've seen every team have hiccups, right? It's not fair to Philadelphia to just think that, you know, they're not for real. But 264 yards of offense against a not great defense last night. Their supposedly great defense gives up 32 points. 
Um, some of that you can take away. Even if you took away the final six on that little bad beat at the end there, 26 points to Washington with their backup quarterback in there. It's This has been our problem with Philadelphia. We just don't know how real they are. And it's hard to... It's hard to get a good grasp for them, and it has been all year. And you, you know, you kind of default to the fact that, yeah, but they're just, they keep finding ways to win this game and they look like this juggernaut. But it'll be interesting now as we look at this, and we'll go over some power ranking type things here today. How far a loss like that sends Philadelphia down most people's rankings? They, they let Washington. You know, run all over them. 152 yards, it's beginning to become an issue for the Eagles. We saw the Texans hang around because Houston was able to run the ball on Philadelphia. Their pass defense has been really good, but a run defense when the weather turns cold that can't stop anybody is going to be an Achilles heel heel for most teams. So we get Philadelphia now in the NFC after the Vikings pull off, we can call it a miraculous comeback, against the Bills. Now you have two teams in the NFC with just one loss. You have the, I think what most people think are ascending 49ers, Tommy. And, you know, as we get you back here, Philadelphia loses last night and sort of reinforces the doubts we had about them to begin with. You know, I don't really think that that's necessarily the case as much as just the fact that, you know, they were due to lose. I mean, they were the lone undefeated team in the NFL uh, and you know what? You're not going to go undefeated. It's just, it's not going to happen. Uh, I like Philadelphia. I feel like they're a talented football team. Uh, it's a little bit shocking that they fell to Washington, but at the same time, um, I felt like they were, they were due for that a little bit. Yeah. And it, it's the run defense, I think, which is really biting them hard right now. Um, it's I, I just don't know because that that is a that's a big issue when the weather turns right. Having a run defense that you can't count on is going to bite you when the weather turns cold and everybody would like to establish the run right. Unless you play the Chiefs, that'd be about the only team that you know isn't going to come in and think, all right, we're going to establish the run in this game. They're about the only team that won't do that. Um, so you know, I, I just don't know, Tommy, at that point. Are you taking the Eagles over the Vikings? Are you taking the Eagles over the Niners? We'll see about the Cowboys because they'll play each other. The Cowboys lost last week. The NFC is such a hard division or hard conference to figure anyway. I don't think any of us are really buying into the Giants. Um, I, I think just by design, I think the Eagles are still fine. And I think, honestly, over the body of work for the year, you still have to feel just a little bit better about them than the Vikings. But the Vikings just have that huge win. The Eagles beat them heads up. I have felt like, and this isn't including last week, obviously, because they beat the Bills, right? But before that, I feel like the Vikings, as good as they've been, have been underachieving to some slight degree still this year. I think there's room for them to be even better than they've been. They're 8-1. and one. I mean, I don't know. I know. You know I know. I, I mean, I, I understand that thought process of they haven't always looked great in their wins, but they've won. I mean, you are what your record says you are. They're eight and one. Um, I've always been high on Minnesota from the beginning of the season to now. Um, I felt like they were one of the top tier teams in the NFC. Um, are they as dominant as a team like Kansas City in the AFC? No, they're not. But they've got 
quite a bit of talent in Justin Jefferson, who um, I think is solidifying himself as probably the top wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, especially with Cooper Cup going down with that injury, um, I think Jefferson's got the opportunity to be the top wide receiver in the NFL. Um, I think the only difference really between Minnesota and Philadelphia, as far as where I would rank them in the NFC one and two is Jalen Hurts is, is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins is and is more dynamic than, than Kirk Cousins is. So that's about the only area that I would take a look at those teams. And if you're going to put them, you know, and of course, Philadelphia beat Minnesota straight up. But if you were to kind of put those two teams neck and neck with one another, I'm going to take Philadelphia over uh, Minnesota just because of the quarterback play. Uh, would you do that in January? Would you still take the Eagles over over the Vikings yeah, in January? Yeah, I, I think I think so because Jalen Hurts can can run, uh, yeah. And, and so yeah, of course, you know we talk about establishing the run game and all of that. Uh, Philadelphia has that opportunity, that wrinkle that they can add into their offense with Jalen Hurts that Kirk Cousins doesn't really have. Yeah, I don't know yet. I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna you know cowardly plead the fifth because I can't decide. <laughs> who I think the best team in the NFC is. You know, the I I think the 49ers could get there. Um but you know, they've got a level to underachieve at the same time too. They do when push comes to shove typically historically find ways to win games. Um I don't know how on earth Here's the interesting thing about the NFC to me too. The Cowboys did had they not let Green Bay who for some reason just owns them if they don't pull that crazy comeback, Dallas was dominating that game. Where would we feel about the Cowboys in this conversation today if you eliminate the fourth quarter? Which you can't. Of course, you can't do that. But they'll get the Eagles again. I just think in the NFC, right now, it's too hard to sift through the top end and try to decide who it is. Philadelphia has the best point differential. They had everything going for them. But, man, they lost at home to Washington. And Washington is far from the worst team in the league. And that same Washington team gave the Vikings fits the week before. I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach. And I think that they're they're just they happen to be playing well right now. So I don't know. I don't know who I think the best team is. I think the better, you know, the healthier thing to do is to try and gauge, assuming good health, who the best team is going to be in January. Who's the best equipped to make it through? And I think what's interesting about all of these teams, yes, the Vikings have Justin Jefferson. They also got Dalvin Cook. Um, and, you know, he was bottled up for most of that Bills game. He still popped one off. But the Vikings, I think, feel like they can probably run the ball when push comes to shove. We know that the Eagles think that. Uh, we know that the Cowboys think that. We certainly know that the 49ers think that. So where is the difference going to be made among that top group in the NFC? Probably on defense especially in the postseason. The Niners healthy have a chance to be the league's best defense. The Cowboys healthy have a chance to be the league's best defense. Philadelphia now has shown a real chink in their armor defensively. And the Vikings probably are a tier below those teams. So, But they also have the best playmaker of those teams in Justin Jefferson. So I don't know how to rank them today on November 15th. I, I think it's impossible. I mean, we can guess. I, if I had to guess which one, I, I guess that I would guess the 49ers. But, man, that's asking for a lot of things to happen between now and then. I still think Philadelphia is going to be okay. I mean, um, 
they well, were that's the longest. Fine. Even if you eliminated last night, though, do you think they, you know, when push comes to shove in the playoffs, do you think they're the best team? Yeah, I do. I, and I don't think that there's anything right now that would tell me otherwise. Yeah, they've yeah. got they've got a run defense that, you know, isn't great and needs to get shorn up a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't have I don't have any made. I don't want to sit here and overreact on week 10 about an Eagles team that dropped their very first game of the season and all of a sudden say, they're not a Super Bowl worthy team or they're not a, a team that can make a deep run into the playoffs. I think they are. And, you know, we talked about this. I remember this conversation. Um, I think it was last week with Trey Wingo and talking about why do the Eagles have to continue to prove themselves every single week? They're they're eight and one. You know, they, they dropped their very first game. Yeah. Against the commanders. That's not that's not solid. That's not good. Uh, but I mean, come on, like they've got. They're tied for the best record of the NFC with the Vikings. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, you mentioned them. All that matters for Dallas is what they do in the playoffs. If they can right. get into the playoffs, and it do, it doesn't ultimately matter what seed that they are. Yeah, you want to have a higher seed for sure, but uh, it doesn't necessarily matter where they're at as long as they can get past the divisional round. That was always the knock on Jason Garrett, that he couldn't get that team over the hump. That's why Mike McCarthy is there. And so ultimately the clock kind of resets a little bit for the Cowboys. So, you know, once you get into January, um, you know, they, and, and we've seen stretches of them play incredible defense this season. Their run defense lately hasn't been great. Aaron Jones had a great game against them when they yep. played green Bay on Sunday. Uh, but ultimately it doesn't necessarily matter what happens as long as they make the playoffs. And then at that point, uh, all bets are off. The Cowboys gave up, and again, they, for some reason, are snake-bitten by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron, the Packers have looked awful and all of a sudden can put 415 yards on one of the league's best defenses. It doesn't make sense, but it happens all the time with the Cowboys and the and, and the Packers. The Cowboys already, and, and I didn't know this until we were looking at this just today as we're talking about the league as a whole, Cowboys have the second-best point differential behind the Eagles in the NFC. And they have played a significant amount of games with their backup quarterback. I think that, and this is the first time I can ever remember saying this in my life, I think that the Cowboys are not getting enough attention for how good they can be. They're always, 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 always overrated because they're such a national brand. Um, but they really do have themselves. The Vikings, the, 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 why do I keep saying the Vikings? The Packers had a 14-point fourth quarter comeback that, if you're watching it, and I was because I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm like, how is this happening? Like, what? This doesn't make any sense based on what we've literally seen all year long. So, sort of like the Eagles, and I agree with you that we shouldn't overreact yesterday individually. It just usually, as a public consumer of the NFL, there are general things that we're usually kind of right about as as a as an audience, and I think one of those universal feelings has that's sort of been in the back of people's heads are and it's it was like this with I'll give you an example Arizona last year right Arizona what did they start nine and one ten and oh something like that um but yet everybody was like yeah but I just I I there's something there's something that's telling me that they probably aren't as good as that record and it proved itself out that happens a lot in this league Right, and you get into the playoffs and there's this team with a dominant record and you're like yeah but they're not actually that good and they're gonna lose it's happened a million times. And I think that feeling has sort of surrounded the Eagles. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't think it's unreasonable because as a viewing public, we're I bet we're right about that kind of stuff more than we're wrong about that kind of stuff. 
the Eagles have been a hard evaluation because we have this narrative that's been built around Jalen Hurts, and I think we're clinging to that when he's clearly outplayed that narrative that he can't be an NFL quarterback. He's looked fantastic, and he wasn't bad last night. It wasn't as far from his best game, but he wasn't bad. And so, yeah, they're still in the mix. I think the Cowboys are in the mix. How different would this conversation be, Tommy, if the Cowboys beat the Packers, right? Don't allow the fourth quarter comeback and lose in overtime. They're sitting there now at 7-2, and two, the way they've been playing. I mean, I think they would have had that gone not gone sideways on them in the fourth quarter been very much in this conversation. And I'm trying not to get overexcited about their chances in the NFC because I was so disappointed in their offseason. But I do think they're right there in the mix with any team in the NFC. And I think there's four or five of them right now that you could make a pretty good case could go to the Super Bowl. I feel like the narrative has shifted a little bit in that conference as a whole. We talked about um, all the way back like in week two or week three about how it felt like nobody in that conference wanted to raise their hands and say, we are the best team in the NFC. Um, I feel like that narrative has shifted a little bit now in week 10 where it's not necessarily that in my opinion. It's we're kind of in a war of attrition right now. There's so much parity in that conference where they're kind of beating up on each other and you're looking at really even teams for the most part. So like you, you look at the AFC, clearly Kansas City is head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the AFC. Buffalo is right there too. We'll talk about them later. Um, but in the NFC, you've got multiple teams that are jockeying for position right now. And if that keeps up, if that continues, we're in for a really, really fun playoff race. I mean, because of the fact that we're having this discussion right now, a little bit past the midway point of the season, about four or five teams in the NFC that all of them conceivably could make runs to the Super Bowl. And so I think that, that that's going to make it a lot of fun right now. I, I like that a lot more than having one team. Well, of course, it's Kansas City and the AFC, but one team that is head and shoulders above everybody else and you know that they're world beaters. Um, it's kind of fun to to have this discussion about, all right, the four or five or even six teams. I don't want to count out the Giants yet. They're seven and two uh, about these teams that could potentially make deep runs. Yeah, it's um, it, it will be a fun conference to dissect because I, I think we'll probably change it each and every week. When you look over at the AFC, how many AFC teams, Tommy, right now would you put over the NFC teams? We'll ask that question. We'll look at the AFC. Where do the Chiefs fit in in all of this? Buffalo's on a losing streak. Is Miami for real? Baltimore's right back in the mix. All kinds of good stuff. We'll hit the AFC as we continue on Sports Daily. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Kansas City Chiefs, joins us in the top of the second hour. We'll get... Uh, get you primed up for KU Duke tonight uh, in what's been an exciting buildup and should be a pretty fun game to get an early test for both of those teams. We'll do all of that. Take your calls. 869-1240 is the number as we continue on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, KFH, 
Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor. We'll get into Duke KU coming up in the second hour as well as hone in on the Kansas City Chiefs with the voice, uh, not the voice of, the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel, as we do each and every Tuesday on the show. Always appreciate those visits. Um, let's continue with our, it's not necessarily power rankings, which you can find everywhere. We're just sort of dissecting what we're seeing in each conference here. And Tommy, we went through the NFC. It's very confusing. The AFC is too. This is an interesting year in the NFL where I don't think we have clear cut answers and favorites right now to go to the Super Bowl. We've seen now with the Eagles losing last night, every single team in the league have head scratching losses, which isn't unusual. We get that always in the NFL, right? It's the NFL. Anything can happen. Um, but I don't think we're, I, I think that if we thought we had a clear picture earlier in the season, we certainly don't now because at the simple question of who's the best team in the AFC, I don't think there's an obvious answer by any means. I do think the best team in the NFL exists in the AFC. I'm not sure which one it is, but the question I asked you before the break, Tommy, how many AFC teams right now would you slide ahead of NFC teams if you were talking about favorites to win a Super Bowl in your head? I think there's maybe three teams. I think Kansas City is one. I still think Buffalo is one. Too. They've got the weapons yeah. uh, to make it happen. They've had a couple bad losses in a row. They've not looked good. Josh Allen... Uh, has been injured, so that that's yeah. part of it also. But I think they've got the talent. Uh, and then probably Miami. I think those are probably the three teams right now in the AFC that I would put above the NFC. Uh, but there are other teams in the AFC that are are kind of knocking on the doorstep. Baltimore is not out of the question. Um, even Tennessee, not out of the question either. So there are a couple of other teams that I feel like can make cases, but there are there are three for sure. Kansas City, Buffalo, and Miami. So I think Cincinnati's interesting too. This is that I believe they were five and four last year, right before they went on their run. Now they got to get Jamar Chase back, and I don't know how quickly that's going to happen. But I think they'll be in the conversation if they can win enough games while they're hobbled here. Um, the Chargers, I, you just it's injury, and and people aren't giving them the same amount of credit they're giving other injured teams, but they have just a mountain of injuries. I'm not sure they can overcome it, but I do think if at any point they ever got healthy and had all their pieces back at once, they could be a team that can mix it up a little bit, just talent to talent. I also don't know how much I believe in their coaching staff, uh, but I wouldn't put those teams. I, I'm with you. I would for sure put Kansas city and Buffalo still in there, even with the uncertainty to Josh Allen. By the way, Tommy, Buffalo's in third place in their own division right now, and we still have them in the conversation as the best team in football. That's a little wild. Uh, that's what happens when you lose two divisional games in a row in a good division. My, my problem with Miami, and I'm with you, man, their offense is awesome and so much fun, but, man, their defense sucks. And that's, that's kind of a problem. In this league, we have seen that work. The Chiefs, the year they lost to the Patriots, kind of the same thing, right? It, this team feels like that to me. It feels like the, the the Chiefs that lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, where every game's a shootout and all of these things. They've got all these weapons. They did go add Bradley Chubb, and you'd think his impact on the defense will get greater as the season goes on. But in a conference where you have at least two other great offenses like that in Buffalo and Kansas City, 
maybe three, maybe four when you talk about Baltimore, uh, when you talk about Cincinnati. I just don't know that you're Miami's going to have to get better defensively because Kansas City has a better defense right now. Buffalo has a better defense, and I know Miami beat Buffalo. Buffalo's big question to me is Josh Allen's injury. They're going to get healthier on defense, and they'll be much better defensively. I just don't know if it's sustainable for Miami. But with all of those teams, at least those three, yeah. I mean, I think if Miami and Philadelphia played tomorrow, I'm taking the Dolphins, right? I think if Miami and, uh, you know, Minnesota played tomorrow, I'm probably taking the Dolphins at this point. I think that offense scores and can be efficient against anybody they play. So, yeah, I do think they've put themselves in this in this conversation a little bit. That could be fool's gold because you can get into the postseason, get slowed down, and your defense can let you down. We see it time and time again. Also got to picture Miami potentially playing in cold weather at some point, uh, even if it's at Arrowhead at this point. So I do think they're in the car. That's the reason I asked you that question is because I wanted your thoughts on Miami. They're a really interesting team. Am I off? Again, they feel like, is that 2018 Chiefs to me? Do you get that vibe from them a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't think they're quite as explosive as the Chiefs were in 2018. I, I, I see the comparisons. Um, of course, they've got Tyreek Hill, but other than that, I, I you know I don't. I get where you're coming from. I don't want to put them quite on that level. I don't think that offensively they're they're quite there. As far as Buffalo is concerned, the Bills are going to be just fine. Um, they're going to be all right. Uh, you know, assuming Josh Allen is okay, right? And this is an injury that he can work through. Um, he's going to be fine. Sean McDermott is too good of a coach to not get this all turned around. And they're built for a run in January. We've talked about cold weather a lot. They're in Buffalo. They know, they know how that works probably better than anybody else. Maybe outside of green Bay, uh, as far as playing in cold weather. Um, so they're going to be fine. The issue with Buffalo right now is they can't score in the second half of football games. They have not scored a second half touchdown since they played Kansas City in week six. So they've got to figure out not only how they can get out to leads, but they've got to figure out how they can sustain those leads and score points in the second half. Um, because when you get down to a playoff game, especially considering that now they they might not have home field advantage, uh, and like you mentioned, they're third in their own division, uh, I, they've got to figure out when you get into a tight playoff game or a tight game in late in the regular season, how to score points. That's going to be, that's priority number one right now. If they can figure that out and get Josh Allen healthy, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, it's all about Josh Allen. It is. I think that they they can sneaky get the run game going as they need to, and Josh Allen's a part of that. Um, I mean, it's hard not to love Buffalo because of all these teams that we just talked about. Buffalo, Kansas City, Miami, Baltimore, Cincinnati, uh, Tennessee, if you still want to include them in there. Maybe not Tennessee in this conversation about what I'm about to say, but of all of those teams, I think we would all agree that Buffalo has the best defense of that group. Even Tennessee, if you want to include them. I think Buffalo's defense is better than Tennessee's. Um, so of all of those teams, I mean, I think you put that right there on paper. And... If that's the case and their offense, which maybe their offense is slightly behind right now, Kansas City, maybe, maybe even slightly behind Miami if you want to factor in and cook in some of the injury to Josh Allen. But even with that, their defense has been significantly better 
than those defenses this year so far. Now, they're really banged up right now in the secondary, and they're going to have to get some good health coming back their way. But for those reasons, I think you still lean Buffalo to the favorite, and this is where we'll get into some of this with Dan Israel, but where this conversation for the last 35 minutes is taking us, is Kansas City the best team in football? That's, I think, where we land with this and what's important to us here. After everything we've just talked about, are are the Chiefs the best team in football? Boy, I think they might be, Tommy. And and I don't, you know, I we still need to see that defense grow. I'm I'm going to, based on what we've seen historically with Spagnuolo's defenses, which is that at least since he's been in Kansas City, they get better as the year goes on. Knowing all the young players that are being asked to play key roles on that defense, I think it is very fair to cook in improvement on that side of the ball. I think that Kadarius Toney adds another weapon into the mix for the offense. I'm at this point just not going to count on anything from the run game more than what we've seen. I do think the Chiefs, especially now that home field is back in play, may be the best team in football. I think even with Buffalo, I think the Chiefs may be better at this point. couple things. Uh, number one, I, I, you look at the body of work, they are the best team in the NFL. Well, Buffalo beat them, uh, though. Body of work says Buffalo well, beat them. I think the, they're, what they do overall and their overall talent level, I think, yeah, they're the best team in football. I think, number two, you mentioned you need to see more from the defense. I don't know what more you need to see. I mean, they absolutely dominated Jacksonville uh, at the line of scrimmage. They dominated the linebacker play. Uh, they they had a great defensive effort. Now, keep in mind, Jacksonville, they're not world beaters by any means, but they played, Kansas City played really, really well defensively. They were able to get to Trevor Lawrence multiple times. Um, really good coverage in the secondary. It's going to be interesting to see how this defense responds when they're playing teams of a little bit higher caliber than Jacksonville, but I don't have any concerns right now about the defense. In fact, there have been several games this season that the defense has kept Kansas City in the game. So I'm not concerned whatsoever about what they've been able to do defensively. They returned Frank Clark this weekend, which I'm not sure that's a major impact addition uh, after what we've seen the last couple of weeks from guys like George Karloftis and Carlos Dunlap. Um, but ultimately, I feel like we've seen what we've wanted to see out of them defensively. My big question is going to be, can they sustain a balanced offensive effort for four quarters they did against jacksonville isaiah pacheco ran the ball pretty well and that allowed you know patrick mahomes to not have to throw the ball 60 sometimes which was a good thing um it's just going to be a question about whether or not that's sustainable clyde edwards elair um looks like he's not even part of the offense anymore so it's isaiah pacheco is what it looks like right now uh can he keep that up can they have a balanced offensive attack as we get later into the season. Uh, Jacksonville sucks, for one. Like, they're not very good. They're 3-7, and seven and and they've allowed essentially the same amount of points this year as Kansas City. Kansas City's giving up 23 points a game. That's probably not good enough. Um, but, I, again, with Spagnuolo and with the young defense, I will bake in improvement to what I think of them. But when I look at the Chiefs' defense, and I don't think we've seen enough, they've given up 206 points this year through nine games. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville has been better defensively. Um, Houston has been the same. Pittsburgh has been the same. And I'm, I'm using these teams as an example because I think they're teams with really bad defenses. 
Kansas City has got to be better defensively because I don't think and, – and Kansas City has the number one offense in football right now. So while it doesn't feel as explosive, it's as effective, right? And I think that that's perfectly fine. But they've got to be better than 23 points a game. Yes, they've given up 17 points in the last two games, but that's been to Tennessee and Jacksonville. Um, so what happens when they play a really good offense in the postseason? Can that defense step up? I do think it's a fair question still to ask as they get healthier. Remember, they haven't had McDuffie for a large part of the season, too, and you've got to factor some of that in early in the season. I think they have been better lately. I think they still need to be better than what they currently are. It's can they be that, and and I do think they can be that because I think Spagnuolo's defenses typically are as the season goes along. He's, he's a complicated coach. He runs complicated things, and the players pick it up better, at least from his time in Kansas City. So, yeah, I think you have to factor that stuff in, but I don't think their defense is at the level now that it's going to have to be at. I just I think that I think they'll get there eventually. Think about this. They've got Trent McDuffie back. Willie Gay has been back the last couple of weeks. Frank Clark returns. They also got Mike Dana back. So we've been talking for quite a while uh, early in the season about uh, not all the weapons are there defensively and just wait until they're able to get all these guys back. These guys are back now. And granted, they're playing, like you mentioned, Tennessee and Jacksonville. I get that. I understand that. The first true test is going to be this Sunday in primetime against the Chargers. We saw what happened against the Chargers in primetime earlier this season. So um, as we get later into the season, yeah, absolutely. Uh the, the pressure is on for this Chiefs defense to begin to respond. I think they will. I think they'll be okay uh, because they're going to end up ultimately at full strength. Well, I, I mean, you when we have these discussions, I think you have to assume everybody ultimately to, to some degree gets to full strength. I don't know how you guess on injuries in the NFL. So, yeah, I think when we have these conversations, we're assuming the Chiefs are healthy and the Bills are healthy and, uh, you know, the Dolphins are healthy. Otherwise, it's pointless to have the conversations because a key injury is going to change everything anyway. Um, so, yeah, healthy, this defense with the time together, I do think will get to a better point. Will it ever get to the point Buffalo's defense is at right now? No, I don't think that it will. Um, will Buffalo's offense reach what Kansas City's now is? I don't know. I think Kansas City has the advantage there and over every team in the AFC, quite frankly, uh, as, as we look at that. I think their offense is... Man, their offense looks fantastic, quite frankly. I mean, what they did last week, now adding in Kadarius Toney, imagine that with Hardman in there, assuming Juju's going to be able to get back relatively quickly. This is the time, Chiefs fans, and things have happened around them to set them up to potentially get home field throughout the playoffs, which obviously is a big, big deal. 869-1240 will continue here. We'll talk more Chiefs at the top of the next hour. We'll get you ready for KU Duke, which you'll hear right here on KFH tonight. All kinds of good stuff today on a Tuesday uh, edition of Sports Daily. All Brockton Caster coming right back at you after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, Tommy. Do we owe Jeff Saturday an apology here? Um, Nobody gave him a chance and they came out and won. New play caller that had never done it before. It was a mess going into it. But Saturday, and I thought his I thought his, you know, sort of introductory press conference was I think I think inspiring is a fair word for for the things that he said when he got up there. Basically like, look, I, I'm gonna bet on myself. I think I can do this. Uh I have confidence in myself. It's interesting how you'd have to tune out the noise to do what he's doing. And clearly he can do that. It's really a question of can the rest of that team and that coaching staff do it. But I got to tell you something that helps do that right away is coming out and doing what they did on Sunday in winning a game like that. And man, uh, that, that was as interesting a storyline as we had on Sunday. And all of a sudden, the Vegas Raiders, my goodness, at home lose to the Colts to a guy who's never coached above high school with an offensive coordinator that's never called plays to a team that had looked terrible going in, who pulled Matt Ryan back out of the ashes to get the win. Matt Ryan was clearly inspired. You could tell on that, what was it, 35-yard critical run. Run? Matt Ryan, what? Late in yeah. the game. Do we owe Jeff Saturday an apology today? Well, look, I'm going to add insult to injury to the Raiders by quoting the late great Al Davis by saying just win baby and that's all Jeff Saturday did was win uh look it it ultimately I don't think it matters your credentials I don't think it matters your resume I don't think it matters your connections I think it just matters your results the results matter that's the only thing that matters are you getting results and yeah the sample size is incredibly small but Jeff Saturday is one and oh as an NFL head coach, will he remain undefeated? No, uh, he's gonna lose games. He's gonna take his licks. Uh, that's According just the way you. that it is. Even well, even the even the greats do it. Bill Belichick has lost, and Andy Reid has lost, and I mean, it's gonna happen, right? But it's a matter of what your overall body of work, your overall results say about you. And right now, Jeff Saturday is an undefeated NFL head coach. Yeah, it's interesting. It would be, I mean, they have 415 yards of offense, and I think a lot of this has to do with the Raiders, right? It it helps to get Jonathan Taylor back. But I think for a guy like Saturday, who's certainly closer to an NFL coach than one of us, 
right? If we're if we're if he's like a civilian on the street, or it'd be, it'd be different if you or I were getting in there to coach. I mean, he's uh, he's a he's a multi-time Pro Bowler. I'm sure he's in their Ring of Honor. All those things. He was surrounded every day and up close and personal with one of the great football minds on the field we've ever seen. I'm sure everybody's seen the video, and if you haven't, it's worth checking out because it's fantastic of Peyton Manning getting into it. One of the few times we ever saw Peyton Manning uh, blow up on a sideline was at Jeff Saturday for trying to change the plays at the line. It's incredible video. Uh, you should watch it. I think that there was too much of a narrative, and I and I say do we owe an apology. I mean society. I didn't have as much of a problem with the hire as I think everybody else did. Um I thought it was fishy and interesting, but not egregious. I didn't think it was as egregious as everybody else did. Uh, like he, like Jeff Saturday doesn't know football, right? Like, come on now. But I, I do think it's interesting that it can flip. And I wonder, because he was so well-liked among the people that were criticizing the decision, rightfully so, for the reasons that they did. I have I have no problem with that. But I do think it was one of those situations, Tommy, where – and I think social media is mostly responsible for this. Everybody has to chime in and, and pile on because it's the cute thing to do at the moment, right? Like it was the cute thing to pile on Jeff Saturday and how offensive it was to the industry that he was hired like this. And and I think I saw one prominent writer point, I hope nobody ever accepts a job for Jim Ursay again. Like what? Hold on a minute. It's a bad team that's going nowhere. Ursay is just doing something. Who can, It's not that big of a deal. If the coaches in that room can buy into him, go for it. Yeah, I saw the, uh, Bill Cower on Sunday on the NFL Today uh, just go off on it, calling it a disgrace to the coaching industry and, and all of this, which I thought was a little bit over the top. Um, you know, he, he cited the assistant coaches in that organization that didn't get a chance to be elevated, Gus Bradley, John Fox. Both of those guys have been head coaches before. Both of those guys didn't really have a whole lot of success as head coaches. No, what? yeah. Uh, like, and, <laughs> and so it, why would you give them another opportunity to, to be the interim head coach? So I didn't have a problem with that. I, I definitely feel uh, like if you were to do, if this were to happen in the offseason and the Colts would go through a full cycle of hiring right. and interviews and all of that, Jeff Saturday wouldn't be the coach. Um, but I didn't have a, a huge issue with him being named the interim coach. The one thing I will say is that our conversation right now would be different if the Colts had played Kansas City or if the Colts had played Buffalo or if the Colts had played Philadelphia or Minnesota or one of these teams that we feel like is at the top of the league. Jeff Saturday came in at the perfect time to be the interim head coach when the Colts play the Raiders, who are an absolute dumpster fire. If you thought Indianapolis had issues and problems, take a look at Vegas and what they have going on right now. Josh McDaniels should not be a head coach in this league whatsoever. So Jeff Saturday came in at a great time to be able to play a team that is in free fall right now. So I feel like that also drives our conversation. They got to win against the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders are bad. What is Jeff Saturday? What is this team going to be able to do when they're taking on teams that have a, a lot more talent and a, a much higher caliber team than what they played on Sunday? It, it is different than if this happened in the offseason. Absolutely. You'd have Rooney Rule issues at that point. By the way, with an organization 
that has hired Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell. So I'm I'm not going to all of a sudden pretend like they're not, uh, you know, doing the things that they need to do in that world. Historically, they absolutely are. Um, and but this wasn't the off season, and you're not going to have the ability to go get who you want. So was it a disgrace to no? Because like you no. said, right, John Fox, Gus Bradley's the other one. Guys that have have yeah. had the opportunity and failed. Didn't get it done. Saturday is loved by that fan base. I would suspect loved within the organization further than just by Jim Ursay. And clearly his guys came out and played. Why not? Have we all not watched Ted Lasso? Jeff Saturday is Ted Lasso. Okay? <laughs> it can work. And entertain us in the meantime, which is, I suspect, what Jim Ursay was going for here. Like, let me just... For a fan base that has suffered through a year of disappointment, let's have some fun here and do something special. And let's, I, I don't, I, social media gone wrong. That's what this story was from the beginning. Not as egregious. Massive overreactions everywhere. There wasn't time to go through a full coaching cycle hire. And to say that somebody should have been promoted from the underachieving staff that was there anyway, no, that's not necessarily the right thing to do. It's just the trend that happens typically. That doesn't make it the right thing. So let's see what happens and have some fun with this story. He's a likable guy. He's an entertaining guy. Goodness. Stop overreacting, world, to things that aren't that important. We'll come back. We'll talk about the things that are important. The Kansas City Chiefs. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joins us next on Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.